And I'm Drake. And welcome to Backstage Biddies, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss our love and sometimes hate of movie musicals. From Golden Age to Disney to Contemporary, we'll recap and review all things movie musical. Join us as we scrutinize Hollywood casting, dive into the history of all your faves, and gossip about controversies of the stage and screen. Press play and sing along because this, this is Backstage, Backstage Biddies. If you had to describe yourself in three emojis, what would they be? Describe myself. Well, I tend to use like the kissy face emoji a lot. Okay. The sparkle heart. Same. And the clapping, the clapping hands emoji. <laughs> I use it for emphasis a lot. You do a lot. But do those describe you? I don't know what else would describe me. Like, I mean, uh, I tend to, so I have a tendency to like ascribe certain specific heart emojis to specific people. And then I only use that specific heart emoji with that specific person. Oh. Yeah. So See, I don't do that. I do that, but I wouldn't say that any of them necessarily describe me. That's a good point. That's a good point. I'm like looking through. I really. There's an emoji ooh, for everything now. So like the little, sky's the, the limit. ghost guy. <laughs> He's like cooking spooky. The Snapchat emoji. This one. This little guy. Yeah, that's. He's like the Snapchat symbol. Don't give you that Fine. face. That's exactly what that is. Yeah, but um, he's got like eyes and like a fun, like a tongue. Like a, eh. I suppose. Um, mine would definitely be like the tongue out winky face. That makes sense. Because it's the face I make in like every, every photo, photo ever. Every photo all the time. Um, the peace sign hand, hand, the peace hand. Yep. That one for sure. Um, and then probably like a food. <laughs> is there a cola emoji? Uh, there's got to be. <laughs> like a can of cola or like a bag of chips emoji. Oh, that really, like, the old a... witch with the staff. Oh, that one for sure for you. That yeah. one. The witch emoji. I'm, like, looking through trying to figure it out. Is there a cheese whiz emoji? That one. I am the cheese whiz emoji. I, you know? <laughs> you know? Some kind of processed food emoji. Ooh, or, um, uh, or, uh, no, I, I guess I just use that. Like, the little, the little bear who's covering his eyes. A bee. Oh, yeah, you'd have to have a bee emoji a for bee. sure. Mm, and maybe the moon. Yeah. So I the witch, the so. bee, and the moon? <laughs> well. I mean, th yeah, that's... Yeah. That's, I would say that's that a, good, covers, a good description. That covers all of it. Um, and I've got the tongue out winky face, the peace hand, and some kind of processed food. There's a cheese. Yeah, but I don't know if I would pick cheese. I don't love cheese the way I like processed artificial cheese flavoring. Yeah, but you're cheesy. Shut up. <laughs> I am not. I'm very serious. Very Maybe <laughs> to other. You might have <laughs> others fooled, but it's, you have, <laughs> do not have my ass fooled after what? How many years have we been together? 16? Yeah. <laughs> Our friendship can drive. <laughs> have you ever done that with your friendships? Be like, <laughs> our friendship can do this thing at one point. Um... Oh my God, should we throw like a real alcoholic rager for our 21st? For our 21st? Yeah, I don't see why not. Can, can our livers handle that? God, how old are we going to be then? Uh, well, that's only five years from now. So we'll be 35. 
about, well, I won't be 35. I won't technically be 35 either because our anniversary is in October and my birthday's in November. But you're going to also all like almost be 35 and I will be nowhere near it. <laughs> You'll be six months shy of 35. Nowhere near it. <laughs> um, Corey also told me that um, he's going to sing your timeless to me at my 35th. It's going to be a your big brother? year. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, at one your 35th? Yeah. That's a very specific age. Yeah, I don't know why we picked that. I think it's because when I was a young gay man, I was like, I'll be dead by 35. <laughs> Which, like, n- no. It's not so true. Obnoxious. Although I may have my face frozen at 35 with, okay. like, Botox and stuff. All right. Have I told you that I'm considering lip filler? Is that a serious question? Yeah. Only almost every single time <laughs> we talk. Yes, yes, I'm you just have. very insecure about my upper lip. Well, listen, I'm very insecure about this one really hard indented wrinkle that happens right oh there it is it's oh, literally in de- like it's an indent like you can feel oh. the indent oh i can see it when you when you tip your head into the light maybe that's just because you had your finger in it N- but ser- it's there no, i, I can the see what you mean i can yeah. see what you mean there's like an indent think... there and i don't know what the hell like did i damage my forehead maybe maybe it's from lifting your eyebrows on stage all those years oh absolutely that's what it is <laughs> you can like yeah, that's what that is for sure. Just pump her, pump, just like well, pop it back out. It's not, it's not really a problem. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think we live in the 21st century and it's a part of like natural aesthetic maintenance. Like if you want to do, it's like whitening your teeth or something. Fill me, daddy. <laughs> Someone fire up the, the, what is it, Zydrate? Oh, I need a little no. less vial. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Throwback to Halloween. Yeah. Well, what's the hint today, babe? Oh, my God. Our hint today is Marcel Moret. What the fuck does that mean? Well, first of all, she's a lady, ass face. <laughs> <laughs> Will and Grace reference. Anyway, <sighs> um, she's a French playwright. Our life is just a series of references to other things. That's it. That's the whole thing. <laughs> um, so, so do we even have personalities? No. No. They're our, curated. Yeah. Our personalities are, are an amalgamation of other people's artistic work. And we just regurgitate them in a fun order. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Um, so she is a playwright and screenwriter. A French playwright and screenwriter, I should say. Mm. Um, and she wrote a play. About? The royal duchess, or the royal um, <clears throat> Russian duchess herself, Anastasia. Anastasia Bina Bivahausen. That's another Will and Grace reference. Yeah. So... We are talking about the 1997 film Anastasia, of course, because I've already said the name. Uh, <laughs> it's also in the description, which you hopefully listen, read. Listen, you just... Uh, Did you guys sh- read our descriptions? Because I put funny jokes in there. No. I don't know if people do. I feel like maybe you should send me the things that you put. Or can I... I should put them in the post of the image of the show as well. Maybe, yeah, maybe we because should start Because I literally on, have like, no idea what the hell to put. I'm just like, guess what? It's this. The episode's <laughs> up. Like, I just am like, I didn't, whatever. I mean, um, yeah, there are jokes in there. So, like, go read our descriptions. There's some funny jokes. Make sure you stick around for bloopers because there's some funny bloopers. Guys, we're funny. I just sometimes I wonder if... It's not our humor again. It's the curated... It's other people's it, humor. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Tell me um, all about Anastasia. So this film was released November 21st, 1997. 
97. 97. We're older than this film. 97 was the year my sister Brianna was born. Brianna, an avid listener of the pod. Hi, friend. I think that's the year my sister was born then too, right? Because they graduated together? Mm-hmm. How cool. Fun! <laughs> uh, it was directed by... I almost spit out my coffee. <laughs> it was directed by Don Bluth and Gary Goldman. Screenplay by... Okay, so there's four of them. <laughs> Su- uh, Susan Gother, Bruce Graham... Bob Zucker and Noni White. Okay. So, fun fact, Bob Zucker and Noni White um, were a husband-wife writing duo. Oh, cool. Um, so, they hopped on this one together. Music by David Newman, and it was based off of the plays, um, the play written by Marcel Moret, but also the one written by Arthur Lawrence. Right, because this is based on historical events, so there's lots of, like, literary adaptations and interpretations of it very loosely based on historical events yes the movie is very loosely based yes 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 yes, yes. (laughs) um which i will talk about in a moment so the cast for this one meg ryan as anastasia anya romanoff she's the princess in the film who's raised as an orphan because she smacked her head and she's got the amnesia but there's like a bunch of other actresses who contributed to anya which i which i have Tell me, tell me, tell Which me. Which I have, if you give me just a minute. I want to know now. <laughs> okay, so um, you're not, because I'm going to talk about Meg Ryan. So, oh, okay. Don Bluth actually only wanted Meg Ryan. Okay. He didn't He didn't want people to audition for it. He didn't want any of that. He's like, He, like, no. rolled the role for her. He's like, Meg Ryan is it. And there were some other people, like Goldman, that were like, I don't know about that. So he had animators draw up the like a loose form of the character and animate like a short scene based off of a sound clip that they pulled from like sleepless in seattle i was gonna say didn't they pull audio from another movie and animate it around her voice yeah to prove As, like a pitch yeah to yeah. Prove, he's like no 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 like do you know how much meg ryan didn't know any of this by the <laughs> of way of course not and then all of a sudden she found out she's like well i can't say no I mean, how you could did, you? You did all of this work to prove that I should have this part? Fuck yeah, I'm going to be in it. Well, Don Bluth was a very hard-headed, determined man. Very much As we know from his so. history with the Disney studio and like the vengeance he had when he left the Disney studio. I mean, we know he was a very hard-headed person. So like, yes. good luck convincing him otherwise. Right. But Meg Ryan needed a singing voice. Okay. So they used Liz Calloway. Mm-hmm. And she had done singing voices for, um, like, Jasmine and a few others. I, I think Liz Calloway might have been the one who did Beauty and the Beast, too. She did. There you go. Yeah. Yep. So um, she did the singing voice for Anastasia. Then Kristen Dunst um, was the voice for the young Anastasia. And then Lacey Chaubert provided the singing voice for young Anastasia. That's crazy. I know. So many people for just like one Four character. actresses voiced this one character. Mm-hmm. How crazy. Um, John Cusack as Dimitri. Excellent choice. A young con man, former servant of the Romanoffs. And Anastasia's love interest. Mm. So he auditioned, got the role, signed the paperwork, and then said, I can't sing. Oh, well. So they were like, oh, what do you mean you can't sing? And he's like... I can't sing, but I really wanted this part. <laughs> Andrew Garfield did the same thing when, like, he was up for uh, Tick, Tick, Boom. Mm-hmm. And some friend of his, I think it was, like, his hairstylist or someone was like, oh, yeah, Andrew can sing. 
and then called him and was like, hey, I just told this casting director that you're a really good singer. Sorry. And he was like, no, that's fine. That's great. I'll just figure it out. Yeah. So um, John, so they figured it out for him. They actually had Jonathan Dutch. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Give it a shot. Uh, Dukunchins. <laughs> that sounds Russian. D O K U C H I T Z. Dukachits. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, what's his first Shoot. name? Jonathan. You know, Jonathan Dukichits. <laughs> Uncle Dookie! covered uh you should go listen to uh, to it um I'm crying. and frankly you could even just listen to the bloopers <laughs> listen to the last minute and a half of that one oh my god i didn't up. tell you this but there was in fact when i subbed one day a student called duke and the amount oh of no and i worked one-on-one with this student a lot and i just kept wanting to be like uncle dookie uncle like dookie. it was yeah it was a lot anyway so he provided the singing voice for dimitri and he did a lovely job a lovely job <laughs> and then glenn walker harris jr provided the singing voice for young dimitri okay yeah wow they really double cast all those children huh they did they did okay um so Ooh. kelsey Grammer played vlad a former nobleman turned con artist and friend of Dimitri. What a delightful character choice. He's also in the sequel to this, but he doesn't play Vlad. Huh. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it when we... I don't we... know that I've ever seen the sequel to this, fun fact. Oh my gosh, I have so much to tell you about it. I'll wait till we're past all, past. all of this okay, stuff. Okay, 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 okay. Um, then we've got the Christopher Lloyd. Oh my god. As Grigory Rasputin. Gregory? It's G-R-I-G-O-R-I. Grigory. Grigory Rasputin. <laughs> Grigory Rasputin. Grigorian Chant Rasputin. <laughs> That's him. Um, he is an evil sorcerer. An, an iconic villain. Uh, truly. And a former advisor for the Romanovs. Um, which Jim Cummings provided the singing voice for Rasputin. Did he really? Mm-hmm. Christopher Lloyd didn't sing that? Mm-mm. I'm sh- I'm kind of shocked about it. I am too because it Doesn't... sounds just like him. Can't he sing? I think so. I thought Christopher Lloyd could sing. I don't know. Maybe or maybe he could in his younger days. I don't. That's wild to me that he didn't sing this. I don't know. Well, either way, it sounds great. It sounds exactly like him too. Yeah. So shout out to so shout out Cummings. to Jim Cummings. Seriously. Yeah. Um, Hank Azaria played Bartok. Bartok. The little the albino bat. That's the sequel. Is Bartok the Magnificent? I read about that um, in the in the research. I, I heard like, about that in, heard, in the news. I heard about that in the news. <laughs> I think I've read about that. Uh, you know, the have you seen the this morning? <laughs> I... <laughs> have you seen the trend of Gen Z kids saying they read something in an article when they mean they watched a TikTok video? No. Yeah. It's like the new the new cover up. I was just reading an article because it makes it sound more serious because people don't take TikTok seriously as like a as a 
Which is kind of dumb because there's like actual <clears throat> news anchors that like the Washington Post and like a few other like under actual... the desk news. Yeah, I like... love that's the only place I will listen to because it's unbiased and and not incredibly depressing. Yeah. Um, did you know that TikTok outperformed Google in the last year as a search engine? Work. I know. I don't know if that's like per demographic or I can't imagine it did with like boomers. Like that wouldn't make no. sense, right? Or even like Gen X or even millennials, I think, is maybe like on the periphery. But um, certainly for Gen Z, I don't know if that's like broken down via demographic or not. But yeah, TikTok outperformed Google I, as a, as a I search, search engine. I search on there all the time. I do too because it's easier to find. Because you see how-to videos right, and like a right. bunch of different stuff. Yeah. And again, you get stuff pulled from news outlets and screenshots from other other outlets and other platforms and things like that. So I don't know. It seems to be working. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. So back to Bartok, the albino bat. <laughs> um, do you know why he was um, a white bat instead of like a, a black brown bat? Won't you tell me? I will. Um, it is because Don Bluth was like, mm, he needs to be a little different. That's the whole reason? That's the whole reason. I really thought like there was like choice. a whole section of like... <laughs> Of my research that they were like, do you know why he's an albino? And I'm thinking it's like going to be like this wild crate. No, it's just because he's like, ah, he needs to be a little different. Right. Something about like bats that are native to Russia or something like that. And it turns out it was just like Don Bluth's preference. Yeah. I was like, what? It... okay. All right. That's what directors do. I don't know if that's like industry news to folks or not, but like directors make creative choices about their projects. That's like literally their whole job. I, I was like, this is, this was... <laughs> That was dumb. Do you know why Meg Ryan was cast? No, why? Don Bluth really wanted her. I know. You know, this is the kind of like <laughs> behind the scenes stuff that we <laughs> we really real... strive for here at Backstage Fitties. <laughs> the real gritty industry news. Yeah. Um, and then we have the Angela Lansbury. Oh, I can't tell you. We have done so many projects of hers since her passing yeah and i thought about that as i was watching it, wasn't it on i didn't purpose. No, that's so crazy no and um she plays the dowager empress mother of nicholas the second and anastasia's grandmama <laughs> um then bernadette peters is sophie oh my god that's right bernadette fucking peters is in this cast i i did not realize that was her it makes a lot of sense yeah. I had no idea. You'll never be able to unhear it now. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce It's Maybe I will. Sophie Stanislav Skaniva Smorokov Smirnov. Okay. Isn't that fun? Vlad says her full name somewhere in the movie. It's when they first see each other. So she says Vlad's entire first, like, entire His name. name. And all of, all of the names start with a V, and then he says hers, and all of them start with an S. Oh, shut up. Yeah. It's cute. I, I don't know. It's cute. Um, but she is the first cousin and lady-in-waiting of the Dowager Empress. And then Andrea Martin as Comrade Flemenkoff. Andrea Martin? Mm-hmm. I love her. Um, she's the orphanage's inconsiderate owner. Have we done anything with Andrea Martin in like a leading role? Have. Has she done any have. movie musicals? Now I'm actually questioning. I don't know if I'll ever have the chance. Well, maybe with. Well, I don't know. We'll have to look into it. Well, well, guys, guys, we'll look uh, into rest it. easy. The we'll biddies, look into it. The biddies are on it. And then we will never talk about this. Again. 
if you guys we're, know we're based off of history, you know, we're uh, we're really on top of the questions we have here and follow up. Yeah, really uh, famous for our follow through, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So infamous, yeah. I think is even, <laughs> it seems like a strong word, but I really I would use it. I would use it <laughs> in this case. What else? Anyway, so that that's the cast. So the production, of course, the original story was way too fucking dark. Yeah. It's no a hideous, doubt. hideous moment in history. Yeah. Um, so they rewrote it. Graham and Gother reworked it to be like a romantic comedy. Okay. And then they had to, <laughs> they fucked off and went to a different project. <laughs> um, and then uh, Zucker and White were hired for additional rewrites. Sure. And also, I read somewhere that in the, or, like the beginning orphan scene with Flemenkoff, which... Flem and Cough. Comrade Flemenkoff. That's very funny to me. Fantastic name. Um, Carrie Fisher actually like went uncredited, but rewrote some of that dialogue in there. That makes total sense with my fantasy. She was kind of a an under the radar like script doctor in Hollywood for a long time. Mm-hmm. She fixed a lot of your favorites. Iconic. Not like you in particular. I mean like the royal the, the, you. Yeah. <laughs> the royal the royal you is me. Um, <laughs> no, but you as in people. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people's favorites she was actually a big part of, so. Yeah. Um, and then so this weird thing happened where they they had planned their release. Keep in mind, guys, this is this is Fox's first, and this is before Disney owned Fox. 20th Century Fox on its own. This is its first ever animated project. Ever. Ever. Because um, Don Bluth's studio closed and was done with. Right. His studio had folded at this point, and he was kind of like looking to get out of the animation game. Right. Um, so he did... Obviously, sign on to do this movie because they talked about like a bunch of different things and maybe trying to adapt some other things like My Fair Lady and sure. Um, they're like, no, no, no. And then this came across the desk and they were like, obviously, hell yeah, let's get on it. Yeah. Um, he had a conviction too, and he never wanted to do a a formulaic Disney princess movie. Yep. It was one of his standards when he was doing animation. And I think the closest he ever got, like, by definition to a princess movie was um, Thumbelina. Yeah. At least under Bluth Studios. And uh, and so when he was approached with this, it read to him as a princess movie that went against the Disney archetype strongly enough that he considered it. Right, right. And especially because, like, <laughs> spoilers if you haven't seen it, but we're going to talk about it later anyway. Especially the fact that she didn't end up following that line. Like right, she is that's technically is by she... label a princess, but her family doesn't have re- yeah, any she... yeah. power. And then she ended up not even being a figurehead at all. She left. Right. So it, yeah. So formulaically, it it lined up with Don Bluth's principles enough that like this was like the princess movie, quote unquote, that he did. Right. So Disney um, actually did. So this was released November 21st. Mm-hmm. The weekend before, Disney re-released Little Mermaid in theaters. What a fucking power move. And then the weekend <laughs> after the release of Anastasia, they released Flubber. Oof. And they also did a double feature of George of the Jungle and Hercules. Oh my god. 
And Disney was like, we did not do this on purpose. You guys are making things up. Yeah, you fucking did, And I'm did, like, that is gaslighting Disney. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, there's no fucking way. Come on. And because they were like, oh my God, they're going to think that this is a Disney film and we don't want that. They had made it so that way ABC could not air any Anastasia um, trailers. Commercials? No, no commercials or None. trailers. That's crazy. And anybody that worked with Disney could not do anything with this film. God. The Don Bluth-Disney feud is so interesting. It's like one man against the machine. Yeah, and like, here's the thing. Don Bluth kind of like did the damn thing to him for a bit. For a bit. He this came out was swinging. one of them. He came out swinging and he... He gave them a run, run for their money. Of course, now Disney owns Fox and by proxy now owns Anastasia. Yeah. Which is so depressing. Yeah. For anybody who's like a Bluth fan. But like Anastasia merch has started to roll in at like parks. I know it was on Disney Plus for a while, although I think it's off now, right? Yes. They took they took it off of Disney Plus and Disney was like, oh, it's it's not. It was um, contract things and not because of the Ukrainian war. Cause like it came off of Disney. Oh, oh like, my God. I hadn't even considered that. It came off of Disney. Like the same time that the Russia Ukrainian war started. Well, I do want to say about this, that like a lot of it is fairly propaganda esque. Mm-hmm. Like Russia gets painted in a really colorful, kind light here, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just like not the truth no. of how any of this went down. <laughs> No, so like Russia's painted that way. The Romanovs are also painted that way. The so Romanovs like, were like not a good ruling family. We'll talk about it when we get into the prologue here after after our intro. But like, for sure, this isn't how this actually went down. No. And so <laughs> the reception of this film like was listed as you know beautiful animation, um, an affable take on Russian history, and strong voice performances make Anastasia a winning film from Fox Animation Studios. I agree. Yeah. Um, then uh, Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune gave Anastasia three stars, calling the lead character pretty and charming, but criticized the film for lack of historical accuracy. Well, yes. Right. But Gemini Films, which is the Russian dis- distributor of Anastasia, stressed the fact that this story was not history. Like, in their distribution in Russia, they were like, this is not history. This is a fairy tale set against a background of real Russian events. That's totally fair. That is a fair assessment of the film. So that's what their whole marketing campaign in Russia was. Um, So that way, the Russian audience would not view it as a historical film. And because of that, a lot of... Russian, like many Russians actually praised the film because of the art and the storytelling and the fact that they like were including Russia in something. Sure. Kind of deal. I love that. Um, but there were some historians, um, one notably Suzanne Macy, that was pissed. Oh. Because, because they felt that the sugar coated the history that had already been falsified for so many years. Well, that's fair. Which I... You know, I can definitely see that side of it That's a fair critique. Right. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of on, on both ends, right? Of sure. like, some people were like, this is fun and fanciful. And it's, yeah, like, sure, it talks about the Romanovs, but 
it specifically was marketed not as a historical movie, but there are other people who are like, yeah, but even though it wasn't marketed as such, sometimes people will still just see this as... Right, like eventually... I did when I was a kid. I did too. I did too until I was much older. I didn't realize the propaganda take on this, that this was like a rewrite of what actually happened because the Romanovs were like not a good... Well, we're not, I'm jumping the gun. We're not right. going to talk about it now. And actually I didn't realize it until, um, I don't know <clears> if you <throat> ever saw or read any of those like princess, like diaries, mm, not princess no. diaries, the book, but so they took a bunch of like historical people sure. and wrote a story through the lens of this person's like diary in that style of writing. Right. Gotcha. Um, and it wasn't until I read Anastasia's book that I was like, Oh, what? okay yeah it was and that had more not i'm sure perfect but more historical accuracy like way more than this movie um but this film was nominated for tons and tons of things but it didn't really win much of anything sure it won like a satellite award and like you know a couple like like smaller smaller things things. yeah um but this film did so freaking well the budget for this was 53 million box office 140. <gasps> wow. Anastasia, despite like the the sandwiching of like Disney shit. Yeah. Still kicked ass. And Good that was them. box office. Like I said, Don Bluth really gave him a run for their money. He really did? You know, he knew, he understood the formula and he knew how to subvert it. Right. And know? because of the popularity of this, it ended up eventually leading to a stage production. Yeah. Years and years later, about 20 year gap here. But yeah. this is an Aaron's and Flaherty musical. Um, the same people who wrote like, Annie, Once on This Island, Lucky Stiff, which we've covered. Yep. Um, they're really fun. They have a really weird songbook. They've done some very strange things. but Just like hearing what they've already done, including this, <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, they have a weird songbook. But they did, so this started as a workshop in Hartford, Connecticut. It was an out-of-town tryout in 2016. Made it to Broadway in 2017. Uh, it was nominated for two Tony Awards, although it didn't win either. It was nominated for Featured Actress and Best Costumes. Um, they added 16 new songs for the musical production. They only kept Work. six from the movie. So they kept six songs, um, and they added 16 of them. One of the notable songs that was dropped was In the Dark of the Night. The Rasputin number. Right, the villain song, because they actually changed the villain. So Rasputin is not a character in the stage production. Um, the villain's name is Gleb, terrible villain name. And Gleb is a Bolshevik soldier who was given orders to kill Anastasia. Oh my. Yeah, it's a lot darker. Well, and uh, And a lot sense. more true to historical events, right? More rooted in history, less fanciful and rewritten for a child's palette. Because this is a live musical and not not a children's movie right so because of the inclusion of some more historical events there was actually a whole slew of lawsuits mostly when they were in previews like before they had opened on broadway but like getting this thing on its feet and moving was bogged down by all of these various lawsuits mostly from biographers who had written about the life and times of the romanovs and there were a handful of people i think it was like two or three came forward and were like, hey, I wrote this book and the events of your musical follow the events of my book. You've adapted my book. Guys, it follows historical events. Well, and that's kind of how all the lawsuits shook out was like, you can't copyright history and this is how these events happened. Like, I'm sorry that you wrote it down in a book and now we've gone and reinterpreted the same events into a musical, but that doesn't mean that we've interpreted your work 
we just happen to have the same source material being real life. Hmm. So, so yeah, so it was this whole mess of things and it really troubled the production PR wise, which is in turn maybe why it didn't do as well at the Tony Awards because there was sort of a controversy about it. Um, but it featured a lot of wonderful, really talented folks. Uh, Ramin Karimlu is the guy who played Gleb on Broadway. He's my favorite phantom. He's a wonderful, wonderful vocalist. Super, super hot. Ooh. He's so sexy. He's so hot. Mr. Raman. Love him. Um, this was nominated for a handful of other things, too, as far as, like, Drama Desk, Outer, Outer Critics Circle, things like that. Nominated for, uh, like, the movie, a whole bunch of stuff. Didn't really win much. I think it had, like, two or three wins out of, like, the maybe, like, two dozen nominations it had collectively. So, kind of a win, kind of a loss, kind of middle of the road. Well, all right. Let's see how we feel about it. Let's dive into some plot biddies. <laughs> what? That it wasn't, was, no, it was good. It was, well, it wasn't good. There it, was, it was no other choice. No, no, there was no other choice here. Um, so we are in the prologue. This so, film has a prologue. Yeah, kids. it has like, there's a whole boatload of exposition here. So things to note, this is a Bluth and Goldman project and not just a Bluth project. And you can tell pretty much from the get go, like Bluth's influence is front and center but you can also tell that like there was somebody else with influence on this project because it lacks certain sort of uh, anti-Disney conventions that Bluth held near and dear to him. So this has got a, a little bit more spit and polish on it. You can see Goldman's influence in here kind of pulling Bluth further into a, into a formula, into a diagram that works. Into more of a main, like a mainstream. Right. There's more of a, a commercial influence, I guess, yeah. is what I'm saying. And that's Goldman at work. Yep. So the um, other thing to note is the the mix of animations here because we have that digital influence going on that was really popular in the late, late 90s with like Beauty and the Beast, for example. So uh, it lends a, a sort of grandiose quality, I think, to much of the work here. And there are a couple of times it really works in their favor, and I'll point them out as we as we get to them. But uh, I wanted just to make note of it before we start because it's, it's present right off the bat in the prologue. Yes. Um, we are in 1916 Russia, uh, celebration of the 300th year of the Romanov rule. Now, again, Oof. the Romanov family was not a good ruling family. They ruled as an oligarchy. They hoarded wealth. They left their people to suffer. They were so busy throwing decadent parties and living a lavish lifestyle at the expense of their people. And that's what ultimately led to their downfall. Exactly. Grandmama is talking to Anastasia at this party that she's going to head back to Paris. Immediately crying at the sound of Angela's Angela voice. Yeah. So she's heading back to Paris, but she gives Anastasia a little music box, which she mistakes at first for a jewelry box mm -hmm. and gives her a necklace that says, uh, together in Paris as like a, this music box has the song that is special to the two of them that they mm -hmm, only knew mm -hmm. was like a special little thing. And she can use the necklace to wind up the music box. And, and But also the fact that it says together in Paris is like a, hey, you're going to come to Paris with me. Right. It's sort of a, a memento to hold on to until they can be together again. Exactly. Which currently, theoretically, will be any time. Yeah. Right. Very soon. Go visit grandmama. Right. But then Rasputin shows up. So let's talk about Rasputin. Rasputin was a spiritual advisor to the queen. Yes. 
to Nicholas's Alexandra, yes, Nicholas's wife. And in this, we're made to see it's made to seem that Rasputin is um, some sort of magical religious zealot who resents the Romanovs for their power and turns on them. And he was painted as a villain historically in that the Romanov family influenced history so that he was painted as a villain. He was someone who had turned on them and hexed them and caused the revolution. Because by the time the revolution happened, he was not in with the Romanovs because he also had, um, she, Alexandra sought him out because he, she also believed that he could possibly heal her son that was ailing through spirituality. Right. So he was recruited by the family, um, and rumor has it he had an affair with Alexander. And uh, historically speaking, Rasputin had a, a big old schlong. Huge, wasn't it? Like in a in a jar at some yeah, point. Yeah, like historically notable. Like medi- <laughs> medical, a medical, a medical marvel. marvel yeah. In <laughs> um, that song, "Ra Ra Rasputin, Russia's Greatest Love Machine." is in reference to the alleged affair that he had with the queen. And so Nicholas like threw him out, you know, had him rejected from the palace, revoked his status, ruined his life. Um, And he, Rasputin was very critical of the way that the Romanovs lived their life and told them like, Hey, you guys can keep doing this, but just so you know, like it does have an end point. And eventually the people that you're abusing to live this lifestyle are going to turn on you. And that, that which is just logic, but right, right. That's the thing that gets misconstrued as a hex is that he like warned them and made it happen. The truth was he was a spiritual advisor who maybe got himself tangled up in an affair. Who knows? Not the right choice to make, but you know, maybe it wasn't entirely his choice. I I don't know Alexandra personally. Perhaps she was a, perhaps she was a little minx. I don't really know. We should get her on the horn. (laughs) Get her on the pod. She'll be our next guest host. But the truth of the matter is that he warned them about the downfall of their empire and was like, this will, like, uh, completely of their own accord, the people will eventually take power back from you if you let them out there in the snow to suffer. Because, because this was the worst um, disparity of wealth that there had been to this point. Right. I think the French probably outdid them eventually. No, I mean in Russia. Oh, sure. I thought you meant historically overall. No. And I was like, no. I, I, and that may be true even up to this point, like globally, this could have been like the worst it's ever gotten. I'm almost sure the French probably beat them out because, because they did. <laughs> that was like their, the French thing to do. But, uh, but yeah, Rasputin wasn't really a villain. He was like a mystic and a spiritual person who got tangled up with some really greedy people and it ruined his life. And, uh, and in this movie, he's remembered as like this really gross, nasty villain. Yeah. But that's not necessarily who he was in, in real life. So Right, which is that whole like historical aspect versus like a fun fancy. Sure, thing sure. Right. We're talking about characters. the propaganda again that like right now the Romanovs are painted as this family who like lost everything because a, a mystic hexed them, which is like not what happened. Mm-mm. They were greedy people who abused their their working class and eventually it turned on them. And that's what happened. Damn. Damn. That's um, what you missed Tungley. <laughs> which, by the way, uh, so, Ra- okay, anyway, so Rasputin shows up, he curses them, and is like, in within a fortnight, you will you will all die. Uh, yeah, a curse everything. upon the Romanov bloodline. And <clears throat> um, revolution is afoot. Which, by the way, I don't know if you've realized this or not, but I had this realization watching this. 
all of the films that we covered in January accidentally, and I do, Biddies, <laughs> I do genuinely mean this accidentally. Completely on accident. Um, have themes of revolution. Yeah. Well, you know. I don't know. It just, it was like Matilda, the kids revolted against authorities. Across the universe, there was like strong push against. The whole thing is about the 1960s and right, the civil rights Right, the civil rights and also the Vietnam War. Right, I mean, it's the whole topic of discussion there. And now this um, is with the backdrop of the Russian Revolution, which there are some buildings that have that still. Right, which is one of my worst fears. Yeah, that there are people living in the walls. Oh my God, it's one of my deepest, most irrational fears is that there's someone living in like my attic or my walls or like the last apartment we lived in together. Oh no, there was someone in that attic. Absolutely someone was living in that attic. You couldn't tell me otherwise. Oh my god, it scared the crap out of me all the time. Yeah. Um, so they are trying to like he gets the gals out through this entrance and he shuts the door. There are comrades that come busting in and ask Dimitri where they went and he tries to fight them and they like like hit him over the head with yeah, the butt like of a gun. Yeah, they like smash him with the butt of a gun which is yeah. like so violent. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Grandmama and Anastasia are bolting Rasputin like grabs Anastasia and she, he ends up falling through the ice. Right, because they're running on a frozen over river and yeah. Rasputin like gets a hold of the little girl and then the ice breaks underneath him. Anastasia manages to break free and then they're running after a train. We meet Dimitri and Vlad in the casting. Vlad was a member of like the court. Right. So he understood the royal ways and he understands the protocol that the queen will be looking for. And the fact that Dimitri used to work in the palace when he was a kid, they kind of have an upper hand if they are going to scheme someone out Right. Of this. They have at least some kind of reference point for what this girl should look like. Exactly. They know how she should behave. Um, And kind of like little tidbits that other people wouldn't know. Right. They also represent um, the only two types of male character archetypes that Don Bluth knows how to draw. The, yeah, the only two. It's the only two. It's the the male ingenue, hot young prince type. Yep. Or the fat comedy character. Yep. They're present in all of Don Bluth's work. You're welcome to go looking. They exist in all of them. Every single one. <laughs> and he does them very well and they always work. So I'm not saying that they're wrong, but like these two together doing things, it's so Don Bluth it hurts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so they they have a theater. They're going to hold auditions. Um, but we just like, we finish off like there's choreo. I know the number's choreographed. Oh my gosh. That's so Animated cool. Animated choreo for like Russian like townsfolk fantastic big fan 10 out of 10 big fan um now we're at the people's orphanage with comrade flemingkoff comrade flemingkoff icon icon so she has gotten anya aka anastasia but she doesn't know that her name's anastasia anya a job at the fish market because she's 18 now. So she can, so she's got to go, she's got to go. She's got to go work. She's got to go do the thing. She leaves and heads off to, you know, where this sign is. So it's a split road. She's got a, she's got a decision. She can either go to where the fish markets are or she could, which is to the left, or she can turn right and she can go to St. Petersburg and maybe follow 
because she has the necklace that says together in Paris. She has had that since she arrived at the orphanage and they had talked about her and Flemenkoff. The fact that Anya cannot remember anything from when she first got here. It's the only clue to her past. Right. So she's like, maybe I need to go to Paris, which to get there, she'd have to go to St. Petersburg because it's the bigger town. It's it the only way to train. get out of. Right. Right. So Anya needs to make the decision of whether or not she's going to follow the path that she was giving or is she going to like go forward and forge a new path. And she asks the universe for a sign. If you look at the story arc of Annie mm-hmm. and you look at the story arc of Anastasia, mm. they are the same story. Just this one's in Russian. They're both redheads. They're both orphans. Mm-hmm. There's a cool trio song about a road later. With three people who are trying to con someone. I'm just saying. The villains are probably like the biggest discrepancy, but like Annie and Anastasia have a lot of similarities. Annie, Anastasia. <laughs> Anastasia. Anastasia. Journey to the Past is just tomorrow from Annie. I'm not mad at it. And frankly, <laughs> I think I prefer Journey to the Past. I mean, I do too, but in a way, it's almost like tomorrow and yesterday. Journey to the Past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh! Now. That just came to me. Where's the song for the present? In our hearts. Maybe the song for the present was the musical we watched along the way. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so she's singing about um, wanting to find home and love and her family. And like she is walking, which by the way, the snow is falling and it's absolutely stunning. Like the, the animation here. And she runs into this family and she's like, oh... I long for that. I want it so bad. I'm so glad that I decided to fuck going to that fish market and that I'm going to try and go to Paris. Um, The song ends with this gorgeous cityscape watercolor. Stunning. It's so beautiful. And again, we have such an eclectic mix of animation styles, and this is just one more. Exactly. She's at the the train station, and she realizes she needs a visa. She had no fucking idea. She lived in the orphanage her whole life. Why would she have ever had a reason to know? Exactly. And this old lady behind her says, find Dimitri. Dimitri? Yeah, because he can help because he falsifies papers. Right. He can can fake your documents and get you out of the country. She's like, don't say anything to anyone. Do not say that I'm the one who told you. He lives in the old palace. Go. He'll help you out. Right. What a kind old lady. Um, she never shows up again. She was just like a fun incidental character. Just a passing bit of gossip on the wind. Listen, (laughs) gossip, it saves lives. It's also like a crucial, again, means of like communicating how to, how to work the system for these people because they're under communist rule right now, which means like they don't really have control or power over their own lives. No. So then we see. We see the auditions for Anastasia. We're with Vlad and Dimitri now. (laughs) And you just, you have, like, you're hearing, like, these people, like, trying to, like, audition. And it's all these goofy fucking voices. Then this woman comes out and she's like, Grandma, it's me, Anastasia. And then there's, like, a drum that goes, like, tun-tun. And she, She like, hips. She drops a fur coat. She like hit bumps in the air and this woman She's got is a clearly cigarette in her hand. 50. It's so funny. She's uh, wearing this like baby doll sailor outfit. 
Yeah. She's got a cigarette in her hand. She sounds like she's been chain smoking since birth. Yeah. She came in in like this lush fur coat and she was like, it's me, Anastasia. It's the most <laughs> ridiculous fucking thing, but I do quote it all the time. Constantly. I do. Um, and then at this point, Vlad and Dimitri are like, well, we're fucked. This con is not yeah, going to work. This isn't going to happen. We can't find this fucking girl. We've auditioned people all over the place and can't find anybody. Anastasia finds the old palace and is looking around because she's trying to find Dimitri. But like this palace is fucking huge. It's enormous. Because again, it was like three, what, 300 years you said at the top of Romanov rule? Yeah. And they sapped the life out of this entire country to live this lavish lifestyle. So like, yeah, it's enormous. Like fucking massive. So she is bebopping around and she's in like this grand dining hall and she starts to, she's looking at some things and she starts to get like flashes. Yeah. A family portrait on, on a wall. Yep, and then she like looks at dish, like these dishes, and then she like gets a flash of like a, of a memory, or she thinks it might be a memory. She doesn't know. Then we get Once Upon a December. When I tell you banger after banger in the like first chunk of this movie. Oh yeah, Act One of this movie is just chock full of the most incredible music. So we get Once Upon a December, and she is. It's set to the same exact tune, and Once Upon a December was the lyrics. From the song that her and her grandmother used to sing together. The same tune. Tune. (laughs) And so that's very cool that it has that connection because obviously her brain is remembering things. Excellent. remembered this thing. Excellent use of motif. Exactly. Um, When we have that like from the paintings up over because she's in the ballroom now. The paintings of all of these couples and people which were probably like Romanoff Romanoff family. family for decades literally burst through the painting. Oh man. And are like ghosts. The ghost gowns. Stunning. I have a lot of big opinions about the fashion of this movie. Oh, I, I would believe it. Because a lot of it is truly abysmal. (laughs) But these ghost gowns are so decadent and gorgeous. And the way they're animated, like the, the opacity and the, it's just so beautiful and so well done. And, I, I love them. And she like, so she starts dancing and she twirls and then like her whole outfit changes. I do hate the gown that she changes into. You do? I do. Her like yellow gown. Hate it. Uh, it's not my favorite, but like, okay, fine. But I'm wondering if that is something from a memory that, like, she has put on her now adult body. It would occur to me that that would have to be the color choice because it's, like, a pastel yellow, and that's just not what adult royalty would have worn. No, so I wonder if, like... Granted, colors are always up for creative interpretation, but I hate this gown, particularly the color. She looks like a goddamn Easter egg. (laughs) And, like, when you have creative control and you can choose, why not choose, like, in the live production, they go with this, like, really gorgeous, like, red gold Mm -hmm. number, and it's stunning and i hate this dress hate it the silhouette is fine the the anger like right behind your eyes i just i just don't like it yeah so she's dancing with with a a ghost which actually is her dad 
like it's an image of her dad. She just doesn't know that that's who it is. Nicholas. Nicholas II. Tsar of Russia. Dead Tsar. Well, you know. <laughs> um, so she's getting these flashes and the song ends and she's like in, in a trance, like on the ground, still in the dress. Dimitri had heard her fucking around and came out and was like, hey, and kind of like broke the spell. And then she's instantly like back in her regular people clothes. He starts chasing her down. She's freaking out. And he's like, oh my God, no. And she ends up with her back up against that mural that you were talking about before of the royal family. And Dimitri's like, what are you supposed to be doing here? Da, da, da. And she's like, I'm sorry. I was told by someone that I'm not supposed to tell you about that you could help me with some papers for traveling. And we get that... um Morticia Adams thing with the light just across, across the eyes. Across her eyes, yeah. Um, and young Anastasia is right up behind her. Literally with like, the same the same light line yeah. goes over her eyes. And of course, Dimitri connects the dots immediately. And he's like, oh, oh my God, she... You look just like her. Holy shit. The fuck. And like Puka goes and like... Is buddying up with Vlad. It's super easy. <laughs> oh, such a sweet little pup. Oh. They're besties. Yes. And Anya tells them about her past because they're like, well, where are you from? What do you know? What are you this? What are you that? And she's like, I don't know nothing about nothing. I don't know, but I'm trying to get to Paris. And they're like, that's interesting because we have a ticket got to Paris. tickets to Paris. If interesting. you would come with us. And because maybe you're Anastasia. And she's like, that, no. You don't know. And you could like, be. They're like, why don't we just go? Because then you can talk to the Dowager Empress. And if right. she's like, this isn't my granddaughter, then no harm, no foul. Dimitri kind of like reverse psychologies her into going. Yeah. And they talk her into it. So she's like, all right, we're going to Paris. Bartok is like up in, in the rafters with the little... The little who's it's what's it's that has the weird bats in it. <laughs> the reliquary. Reliquary, thank you. <laughs> um, and the reliquary woke up, so it like turns that really bright green again. And it's like she, he's like, you can't. What, you're waking up now after ten years. Why? Because some guy said that she could be Anastasia. That's dumb. And then he's like, oh my god. Unless. Unless she is Anastasia. Anastasia's alive. And then. Uh, the little doot doot wraps around the reliquary. Reliquary. <laughs> the doot doot wraps around Bartok's like and goes and takes off like a through, rocket and like busts through just the Earth's crust planes of existence and lands in limbo, where we meet again Rasputin. <laughs> and Bartok lands and he says, "I tell you what, ow." <laughs> He's so cute. He's so funny. I make that quote. All the time, and no one ever gets ow, it. I tell you what, ow, ow. I tell you what, ow. Um, and he was like, "Oh my God, Bartok, you're here! Oh, you have my reliquary! Oh, this, that, blah, blah, blah." And he was like, "Yeah, it woke up because like someone said that they think that someone might be Anastasia, which I think is kind of dumb." He's like, "No, that would make sense as to why, why I'm, stuck I'm stuck in, in limbo, right, and not like." resting somewhere else after my curse was complete right because it's not um and he's like oh he's a rasputin is a long-nailed baddie (laughs) he like he like talks with his hands a lot 
Yeah, he's got them almond acrylics on. And he like <laughs> bites it. He's like, where did you get that? Like pointing to the uh to his necklace. And he like bites his nail. He's got his set did. And I'm like, oh my god, okay, fine. Then we get the number in the dark of the night. Which is a, it's a fun villain number. It's so epic. Because he, he's singing about obviously wanting to end the Romanoffs and the fact that his curse didn't get finished up and he's going to make sure to finish up the curse this time. But we have like a chorus of bugs. Yeah, yeah. Little underlings. Cute little cartoon bugs. Beetles. And I don't know what those pink things are. If they're meant to be like slugs or worms. The pink and purple ladies that look like they have like a feather plume on their head. Yeah. They're like kind of Vegas show girly. They're very show girly. They're (laughs) like, woo. Like kind of backup. I wanted to be one of those when I grew up. Well. (laughs) You're a worm. (laughs) Would you still love me if I was a pink worm with a feather plume? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'd stick you in a plant. Oh, neat. Yeah. Um, also, he is looking in this weird magical vortex mirror thing, <laughs> and it looks like Anastasia, and he's brushing the hair, but it's really him, but the the hair is actually just a wig. Do you <laughs> he mean turns to tell around, me, and he's still wearing the wig. Do you mean to tell me <laughs> that Rasputin... <laughs> Went to limbo and produced a red wig. Listen, Mama, that's drag. <laughs> I guess. Rasputin is the future of drag. Turns out he didn't hate the Romanovs. He just really wanted to be one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the wig moment cracks me up every time. Oh, my time. God. Because he, like, snatched He's like, snatched. And it, like, snatched. goes, goes yeah. flying. Listen. It this... doesn't disappear. It literally just, like, he takes it off of his head as, like, a real tangible object. And I know I know we both really love it, but it also occurs to me now in this moment that it's also probably, like, a queer-coded moment. That, like, the villain is cross-dressing in his epic villain number. Ugh. God. I know. No. It, it all comes back around. Like, none of it's good, but it is hysterical. Like, it's it absolutely just... camp. Snatched. Snatched. <laughs> um, and he conjures these little devil bat things out of his requiem and the reliquary <laughs> i'm gonna yeah, call they're... something different every time. <laughs> the reliquary and he's yeah, like they're, they're come like, my uh... minions rise to your master. and he like sends them off to like murder anastasia to finish yeah, up yeah. the curse sort of like bat pixie things yeah um the tr- our trio's on the train now. I want to take a comfy train trip. Let's do it. I think that'd be fun. Let's do it. A train-cation. A train-cation. Train-vacation. Where, where the adventure is the journey and not the destination. Sure. I was going to say destiny, and I was like, that's not the word. Where, so the, like, where the journey is, is the, the destiny. destiny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Dimitri and... Anya are like kind of going back and forth sassing each other and they're it's just oh, I love a good uh, enemies to lovers trope gross I do I love it I don't care they're like snippy back and forth um, and then he she's like okay so is Russia your home and he's like I mean that's where I grew up but I wouldn't really call it home and she's like oh so are you planning on making Paris your new home he's like what the what is with you and Holmes and they like get into this whole thing and she just like goes Ugh! and like walks off because she's like, you don't get it. Uh, Vlad comes in automatically. She was like, fight him. 
argue with him for me. Because he, and he's like, what did, Vlad's like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> I love that he automatically takes no her No hesitation. Um, and then she leaves. And then Vlad's like, oh no, an unspoken attraction. <laughs> and, you know, Dimitri's obviously like, no, that's that skinny little bitch. <laughs> That twiggy bitch from the from the mansion. Yeah. Um so he's like, no, <laughs> you're devolving. You're losing it. I, I'm going to Everyone's just fluffing. That's fine. Um so <laughs> Vlad, like, it seems to be when he, Vlad says, Oh, an unspoken attraction. Right before then, Puka, like he picks up Puka and Puka like barks at him. And it's almost like he's understanding that Puka was like, ah, oh, it's because they like each other. Well. It's kind of, it's it's an interesting thing. Um, Are you implying that Vlad can speak to Puka? I'm implying something about Puka. Fine. So, here's the thing. Puka just appeared when she was about to take a journey, mm-hmm. right? Trying to figure out which way to go. He was her sign. Right. Then when they show up at the palace... Puka, like, loves Vlad right away. He's also the one who breaks into the palace that, like, gets Anya inside. Right. My theory is, and he has blue eyes. Oh my Puka god. Puka has blue eyes. Which they specifically state with, Anna, with Anya, they're like, oh my god, you have the blue eyes, the Romanoff eyes. I think Puka is one of her family members. Come back to guide her back to her family. Back to her family. Why else would they mention the blue eyes? Like, we're there obviously... are several things that happen with Puka that I'm like... Oh my god, I've never even thought about that, but that makes absolute sense. Which is why he warmed up so quickly to Vlad. Because Vlad worked in the Imperial because, Guard. And then why he didn't really care for Dimitri, because Dimitri was a servant. <gasps> oh my god. Oh my god, you've cracked the code. I think Puka is a dead relative comeback of the <laughs> And if you were paying attention to my emojis earlier, uh, you could very much see why I would be like, oh, a dead ancestral spirit has come back to guide you. Um, So I think so. I think so. Why not? Why not? There's plenty of magic elsewhere in this movie. It might as well be here too. Right. Um, So the green things on the train. Does no one else see the green glowing bats? No. Luca can see them. Puka can, but also remember, animals typically can see, like, sp- are said to see spirity things that other people cannot. And also, Puka is and a dead also, spirit come back to life. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it would make sense that your spirit guide can see the reliquary demons. Mm-hmm. Fine. Fair. Although Bartok can see them, too, so maybe it is just my animal thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You're thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. So, they get onto the train, and Vlad is... In, in the hall and they're like okay take out your pass your, you know your tickets I need to see them and the ink on the tickets is red now it's this like little booklet his ticket's blue so he like goes back into the car and he's like that's what, the one thing I hate about this country everything's red <laughs> um, which like Vlad has like a Russian accent but he doesn't have, like, that thick of a Russian accent. But, yeah. like, in certain moments, especially when he's talking quieter, it gets a lot thicker. <laughs> um, so they're like, we should move to the baggage car. 
immediately. So that way we aren't chucked off this train. <laughs> and so they're heading that way. They're there. The green things sabotage the train. I don't know what to call them. I'm, I would call them demons. Yeah. 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 Uh, little, that's the most accurate, I think, description of them. Tiny little demon bats. Yeah. Um, no. You could call them reliquary demons, but you don't like the word reliquary, so. <laughs> the thingy? The thingy, the thingy. demons? What would you call it earlier? An amulet? Amulet. <laughs> In my notes, it's, uh, a, what was, it's a reliquary. What was it? The requiem. The requiem. The, listen, requiems, death, demon bats. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they they, <laughs> so they're, tra- they're they disconnect the luggage cart from the rest of the train. They do, um, and they have like the engine going really fucking fast, and they're like, "What's going on? This is wild. Why are we going so fast?" Blah blah. blah. Dimitri just yeets himself on to the next train thing the next train car i guess if you're trying to figure out to not die fine but he was just like so casually he's like oh i'll just go see what's up yeah let me just hop over the speeding train that isn't that's only connected by like a hook and some chains yeah let me just walk across that real quick and go i'll check it out let me go see what's going on so it turns out there's no conductor um it is going to explode he's very concerned about that so they're like, okay, we're going to unhook it. They can't unhook it because the little green things. <laughs> we just had a whole discussion about this. Just call them that. Just the green things um, like melted, melted the hook together. Yeah. And he's like, oh my God, give me an ass. Give me this. Give me that. Vlad hands him something. He's working on it. Puka's the one who finds the dynamite. <gasps> oh my God, you're right. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Anastasia <laughs> hands him a lit dynamite. You know what's needs- wild? I don't have a single note about Puka, not even one note about him in this entire thing. I loved Puka as a kid to the point where I had a stuffed animal growing up that I, it was a little dog with spots and I named it Puka. So they blow up the thing to separate the car, like the engine car that was going to end up killing them because of how fast it was going. Right. So now they think they're in the clear because they can just like coast out and they have plenty of track. They'll just wait it out until their car naturally comes to a stop. Except, um, all of the green things form together to make one giant green thing that like takes out a fucking bridge. A, yeah, just like hulks out and just goes and like busts through this bridge. And again, nobody sees this happen. And they're like, look, we have so much tra-. And then they look and they're like, oh my fucking God, this bridge is out. But like no one sees the bridge explode? No. I guess not. What I don't are the know rules? how. Because what are the they rules? literally just said, oh, we're fine because we'll just coast. And then the bridge explodes. You didn't fucking see that? You didn't watch the bridge explode? I don't know how they were facing it. I don't know. But whatever. My God. Anyway, so um, they are trying to, you know, Dimitri has an idea. He's going to, like, throw this chain down to, like, grab onto the tracks. Right. And, like, There's, like, a chain with a hook on the end. And he's yeah. like, we'll just throw this behind us. It'll hook the track. It'll stop the cart. We'll be done. Right. So he goes he goes down to, like, start hooking it. And he's like, hand me, hand me the chain. Vlad has, like, flipped over inside a giant box. Anastasia's there and is trying... Anya is trying to hand him like the thing. He's like, not you. Then who? (laughs) Then fucking who, Dimitri? Do you want her to wait for and help Vlad out of the box? Our options are very limited right now. Shut up, you stupid man. (laughs) 
so irritating. And I mean, like, yeah, that's the vibe. Yeah. And then he is about to fall. She saves him. And he's like, if we live through this, remind me to thank you later. The only reason why I bring that up is because it is brought up again. So that doesn't work. It, it just, and the no. green things had no interference with no, that. No, no, that just, just kind of doesn't work. They throw the chain, it does hook the track, and then it rips the track out of the ground. And it's like not even coming close to like slowing the, and they're like, well, we're going to have to jump for it. It does, however, throw the train car sideways. So now it's not careening forward. Right. It's careening kind of, it's careening forward, but like facing a different direction. Yep. So it creates the opportunity for them to jump off of the train in a way that, like, won't fucking kill them. Right. Right. So they jump for it. They, they're safe. They make it. Rasputin was watching through this mystical window thing, and he just, he goes ape shit. He just goes, <laughs> And it's <laughs> so obnoxious. And my note literally was like, I've been there, man. <laughs> There's like a Michael Bay style explosion too in the gorge yeah. that this bridge covered. And the explosion is done in digital animation. Yep. And so this is one of those moments that I think uh, the animation styles kind of lend themselves to our storytelling because there are a couple of moments in this movie that get like kind of serious and really dark, but we take the opportunity to kind of add this digital layer in and it creates a disconnect from the rest of the hand animated story. And so it allows us to kind of, it allows room for more dangerous action to happen without intensifying the kind of story, story tale, fairy tale, storybook, that's the word I'm looking for. The storybook, fairy tale um, material that is the bulk of the story. So like this explosion, there's a couple of moments in the, in the prologue where like things get really violent and really dangerous. Like when they roll up, there's a bunch of like artillery vehicles that roll up to the palace when they overtake the gates and everything. Those moments are meant to be darker and scarier than the fairy tale we're telling. And because we do them in digital animation, it allows us to kind of separate the two. It creates sort of categories and it lets us keep those scary, dark elements of the story without making it a scary story, if that makes sense. Yes. I think it lends itself to the storytelling in a really good way. This is one of those moments for me. Yeah. So Bartok is like, it's okay. Obviously it didn't work. This reliquary doesn't matter. And he goes to like, he's like, stress is a killer. Like (laughs) he taught Bartok talks about his cousin, the fruit bat. He's like, no red meat, no blood killed over one day of a heart attack. Stress. <laughs> he so he chucks this reliquary and then Rasputin. Oh god! <laughs> He's like, oh no, it didn't work. We didn't kill her. The reliquary must not work, and he chucks it. And of course, Rasputin has like made a deal with the devil. This reliquary is the thing that keeps him alive. And like at this so point, like speak... his body parts have been slightly like popping out and sliding off his body. <laughs> at one like... point, his mouth slides down his beard. Like he's falling apart. Right? He is not meant for this world anymore. Like, he is absolutely decrepit. And so he, like, throws his arm out to catch the reliquary. And it stretches, like, stretch Armstrong. But it's, like, just his hand on the end of a tendon. Oh! It's so... It's so gross! Fucking disgusting. And I'm like, why couldn't they have just stretched the whole arm? (laughs) Would that have been better, though? Like, with the skin and, like, the... Yeah, because think about it like Elastigirl. I guess. 
You know what I mean? It just, it's like you're looking at the tendons and it's like white and red and it just, I, (laughs) so he catches it and That again is the Don Bluthy flavor of it all, right? Yeah, I know. He didn't think things needed to be sanitized for kids. And for the most part, I agree with him. Occasionally things get a little too dark and a little too scary. There's a couple moments in like The Secret of Nim where I'm like, oh, Don, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> yeah. This is maybe one of those moments, like if this had been a Disney movie, absolutely like Rasputin's whole sleeve would have just gone with him and he would have stretched his arm out and caught the thing. I just, there's something. Yeah. With I, the tendons I, and I'm like, I can't. I get it. I, can't, I get it. It's gross. He's like, I literally sold my soul for this and you were going to throw it away. What the hell, Bartok? And he's like, I'm sorry. I just, I'm, I'm sad that you're sad and upset that she's not dead. Um, if I could, I would do it for you, sir. And then, and then we get the famous line. <laughs> I would give her a ha and, and a, a hi yeah and, and a, a woo ha and, and a kicker, sir. Well, which <laughs> obviously we both know that very well. And he's like, oh, well, we'll just, we'll just have to try again. End of Rasputin scene. Now we are with with the homies, and they're like walking down this path, and we get these images sometimes of like the map of the, their travel. Yeah. And right now they're like approximately like almost towards Germany. Yeah, it's like a progress report. Yep. Um, and they find out. So the Vlad says something about the fact that he's like Sophie, I'm coming for you, and Anya's like, who the fuck is Sophie? Well, Sophie's your litmus test. Well, turns out... Be- and Sophie's that- your entrance exam. Right. So Vlad is like describing her as like this decadent morsel, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, is she a person or a cream puff? And frankly, <laughs> new gender identity unlocked. Cream puff it is. I'd rather be a cream puff any day. I just, I, I would love to be just like confused with a cream puff. Yeah, for sure. Lovely. We're cream puffs now. I'm into it. There we go. So she finds out that she has to prove that she is Anastasia to Sophie, which if you all recall, she's like the first cousin and lady in waiting to the... The Dowager Empress. Yeah. So she's like, we. I have to do what? And she freaks out because she's like, I didn't think I had to lie. I didn't think that I had to do this. I just thought I had to show up. What the she hell? Say, show up. Sure. Look nice. Fine. But lie? gasp and she's like i simply can't do it she's like i can't and she starts you can though yeah she starts walking (laughs) away and then vlad goes and talks to her and he's like well what do you like looking over because they're on this little bridge looking over the one what do you see and she's like i just see a skinny little nobody which by the way i noticed that this was the second time in this film that they talk about her skinniness in a negative light yeah and I don't hate it. I don't think body shaming is ever the right thing to do. Like, just no. don't talk negatively about bodies. But right. um, I, I personally usually take a body neutrality stance that, like, we should have less opinions on people's bodies, period. Right. Positive or negative. But I don't hate that it happens here. And I think it probably stems from Don Bluth's really, like, anti-princess stance. Just, like, his kind of... It's one of his base guidelines that he never wanted to do a princess movie. So, like, she isn't obsessed with her appearance or interested in looking a certain way or anything like that like i think that's probably what that sentiment stems from which would make sense yeah um i just thought it was interesting that it it happened twice weird. <laughs> which is weird we find out well we know this but um anya finds out that vlad 
was a member of the imperial court back in the day so he's like i can do we we can train you to do this i know i know what to say exactly and then dimitri just she's kind of like warming up to it dimitri shows up and is like yeah so you're doing it just completely ruins the whole moment shut the fuck up dimitri just let glad handle this <laughs> get please. out of here um and she decides you know all right fuck it let's try for it and we get the number learn to do it i love this number yes it's this so is so much fun it's another it's a traveling number yeah yeah so this is the another annie parallel right with easy street and learn to do it three con men on the road i'm just saying I just, 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 anastasia it's all coming together. <laughs> Anastasia. So this whole song is them traveling further and further, um, like through Germany and, and stuff like that. And, and they're like learning. quizzing Anastasia, right, on on family members and history and like things she's going to be quizzed on, things she right. has to know as Anastasia. They're making sure that she can ride a bike. They're making sure she can ride a horse. Like all of these things are things right. that like... There's a diagram of a family tree she has to memorize, like all these things. And as they're quizzing her and giving her information... She starts to like volunteer information about people. Exactly. She um she says at one point about one of her uncles that she's like, oh, and I recall his yellow cat. I don't believe we told her that. And then Vlad and Dimitri are like, uh, what uh... the fuck? And they like look at, in the camera. They're like, <gasps> <laughs> so we round out the number with them getting on the boat to head to France. So they're getting all packed away. Dimitri bought uh, Anya a dress. Because she wears this awful, like, burlap potato sack jacket thing. She's an orphan, Drake. I don't give a rat's ass. <laughs> She's an orphan in, like, newly... She couldn't have had... Communist at Russia. At least a normal fucking coat. No. She wore this, like, burlap potato sack number. It's belted, thank God. But, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thank, thank God for the belt. <laughs> well, although, I just... I understand an anti-princess sentiment, but she just would have been, like, a shapeless pile. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Just a pile. I just hate the fashion in this movie. It's all so bad. Oh, anyway... <laughs> So, so yes, yeah, so Dimitri presents her with a dress. And it's it's she's like, oh my God. And she sticks her head up the skirt and he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm looking for the Russian circus. I, I think, think it's, it's still, still in here. here. It's just a normal size dress for the record. It It is. <laughs> it's just a normal it's a gown. Normal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's got like frills and shit on it, which I'm sure she was like, eh. Well, we know she's not on board with the frills because when we see her in the dress in the next scene, it looks different. It all fully does. So like, I don't know. She if... definitely got her hands on it and like fucked with it before she put it on. And she did make sure to belt it. What? So <laughs> it indeed <God>. was big <laughs> because she belted it. Okay. Her signature belt moment. <laughs> um, signature belt. <laughs> yeah. And me. <laughs> they decide that they're going to dance. They're going to waltz because she also needs to know how to do that. Um, right. As a part of her training. Which so, Dimitri can teach her. Right. And there's, oh, oh, they're so in love. I love this song. They're so in love. What is the name of this song? Does it have a title? So it is actually Learn to Do It, The reprise? Waltz Reprise. Ah, I love a good reprise. Um, And so they're dancing and he, you know, there's this moment at the very end where they like stop dancing and they're very like, like almost because he's like, maybe, maybe we should, we should stop, stop spinning. spinning because they're talking about them being lightheaded. And she was like, yeah, yeah. we have 
Oh my god, the it's writing good. there is so good. It's like good it's, it's, and now that you've said that, like they wanted to rework this into a rom com, I totally see that because there yeah. are these really like clandestine moments where like the dialogue just really sparkles in like a true adult romantic drama kind of way. Yep. And it's so good. Mm-hmm. I will say though, at the very end of this number, Dimitri sings the last line. <laughs> I never should have let them dance. And on the word dance, his eyes go like three different directions. And it gets me every fucking time. I should have never let them do it. <laughs> like eyes going, which is an animation thing. So I'm like, what oh in God, the absolute hell? So they lean in like they're going to kiss. And then all of a sudden, like her eyes are shut and everything. And then he just stops. He's like, well, I should go. And like walks I think he away. compliments her dancing too. He's like, he like pats her on the shoulder and is like, you're doing great. Dick move. That's like, that's like, like punching someone on the shoulder. Thanks, sport. Thanks, bud. Buddy. So we get an image of the map because they're on the boat and we're seeing like the little boat going in there rounding like around England at this point. Puka like sneaks into Dimitri's bag and pulls out <gasps> the music box. The music box. The music box that grandmama had given to Anastasia because when she was running from the palace uh, and then she had to like run through the wall thing, she dropped the music box. So the whole thing of her like going back for this fucking music box. Totally moot. Pointless. But the plot point did leave the music box in Dimitri's hands. Exactly. So now he has it as an adult. Exactly. Which he is going to use as further proof that this is, in fact, Anastasia. Sealing the deal, kids. Right. So he didn't need the real girl. He had the music box. It's the plan all along. Right. So she is, like, looking at this thing, and someone's like, oh, that's a beautiful jewelry box. And she's like, I don't think it's a jewelry box, though. Which, when she was younger, she had She mis- thought it was a jewelry box the first time, too. Right. So she's like looking at it and then you start to see like the little ghost dancers like going around her head as like the melody is like played underneath because Mm -hmm. she hasn't opened it. And then, so again, Puka's the one who like takes out the music box. You're so clever. I just... Not one note. I don't have any notes whatsoever about Puka. Not one. I'm just saying. That's why we both take notes. (laughs) So... Um, they're heading to bed and Rasputin sends his minions because he's like, now I'm going to do a thing where I get in her head because she can't escape me in her head. She's also isolated on a boat. Exactly. So where the hell is she going to go? She's a sitting duck. Yes. So Anya is dreaming and starts sleepwalking. There's a dangerous storm going on, which later we kind of find out that was also the green thingies. Yeah. She heads out, the door slams behind, so Puka can't go out and try and wake her up. Puka is, like, freaking out and trying to wake Dimitri up. It's taking forever. In her dream, which we do see, we go back and forth between reality and what she's seeing in her head. Um, she's, like, in a field, and all she has these people, which she is not saying, like, clocking as anybody, but these are her relatives. They're, like, her mom, right. her sisters. They're, it's images of her family. Right. And... They, there's this cliff that the, this little boy jumps off into this like lake thing and she's standing right at the edge of it and she's laughing and she's having a good time and real in real life. She's standing on the edge of the fucking boat, right? About to dive into the 
the raging sea. Right. And the dream sequence is again done in like a mostly digital art style. So there is a difference between the dream sequence and the real world on the boat. Yep. Again, adding an a, an edge of difference to the world of danger and the world that we tell the story in. Yes. So Dimitri finally wakes up and is like, we're Puka, what, what, what? And then he like barks again. He's like, oh my God, Anya. And then bolts out the door to save her, you know? So, the hero. The hero. So <laughs> <laughs> he's like grabbing her and the the character that is her dad shifts and it's one of the little demon thingies. Yeah, it turns like totally demonic. It's terrifying. But again, done in that digital art style. Exactly. Worth so noting. Yes. And so she starts freaking out and Dimitri is like trying to shake her awake. And then she's like, oh my God, the Romanoff curse. Like she's saying all these things. And Dimitri's like, I don't know. What what are you saying? I don't know what's going on. She just kept saying so many faces, so many faces and like buries her head in his chest. It's traumatic. Because it's fucking terrifying. Like she almost died because of something going on. And she saw a demonic being in her right. dream. Because of a past that she can't remember. Exactly. How terrifying. And during this, like the sea's calm, you know, so that kind of tells us that that was done. Fully through dark by, magic. Yeah. Uh, Rasputin goes right on ahead and strangles himself and slams his own head up, uh, <laughs> up on the ceiling. He just goes right on ahead. <laughs> um, and then he decides, listen, I can't trust this to do it. I just have to go kill her myself. Right. If you want something done right, I guess I gotta, and We're Bartok's like, sir, I don't think you're in any condition. No, because you're falling apart. Literally falling apart. Mess. Messy. Messy. Mess. So we now see um, the home of Grandmama and Sophie is there. There is Enter Bernadette motherfucking Peters. I, Sophie. I love her. Um, so there's this girl, which I think this was brilliant. So they, this girl looks just like Anastasia. Yeah. But they just slightly changed the jawline. I think the bridge of her like nose is a little nose. bit different. Yeah. yeah. So they just changed a couple features, but they kept the same animation as the actual Anastasia. Yeah. I mean, she's almost identical to the character with very, very small details changed. Exactly. But then grandmama is like, no, this isn't her. And then she decides, no, I'm done. I'm not seeing any more. This keep... was the very last one. My heart can't take it anymore. I keep, I keep breaking my own heart. I, I'm done with this. I'm not seeing any more. And Sophie's like, oh, okay. I'm really sorry. She had answered some really tough questions that I thought I was going to get her on, but I guess not. The homies show up to Sophie's house. Sophie and Vlad. Listen, Sophie and her huge rack, they absolutely remember Vlad and his huge dong. They are absolutely banging. Oh, In yeah. love. Yeah. Sophie in love. and Vlad. So, Passionately. So they, lovingly. But they are, they are, the minute they see each other, like, oh God, remember the last time we shagged? It's on. Dynamite. There are people here we have <laughs> stuff to talk to you about, but... It, Listen, it's on. When we're done, when business hours are over, we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> she And like the thing that I really love, so, and this is, I love Sophie. Me too. I love her personality, but characters. I also love the fact that this is definitely a fat character. Absolutely. Who dresses superbly. Yeah. Very stylish. She, um, her weight is never talked about. 
and it's and never she's an also, issue. No, and she's also seen as like a sexy, desirable, right. very desirable character. One of the most desirable. And I have loved Sophie my whole life, and I didn't realize when I was a kid why. Sure, well, I know why because like I saw myself more in her because I've always of been course. a fat kid. Yeah, but like. That was great. And they just were so in love and so cute and so precious. I love them. That's more of Don Bluth's flavor at work, by the way. Well, hello, Don. <laughs> right. I mean, do I always agree with his kind of anti-formula stance? No. But there are, I would say it's probably like a 70-30 split where like I agree with But there's some stuff that comes it. through that yeah. does good. Yeah. There's like 30% of it that I'm like... Okay, but like it works for a reason and he just doesn't like doing it that certain way because it's how Disney does it. But like, right, it's not always incorrect. But this right. is one of those moments where I'm like, you go anti-establishment Don Bluth, tear it down. Exactly. You got this bitch. So they're talking to Sophie about the fact that they're like, this is Anastasia. Please, you have to interview her. And she's like, ah, okay, but like the Dowager is not seeing anybody and they're like, just talk to her. She's like, okay, fine. Because she's in her own home. She's not... Right. She's not with the Empress. She's trying to... And she's doing a favor for old friends. Right. Right. She knows Vlad. She has a reason to give in. Right. So they do... They do the interview. Time passes. We actually see it on a sundial out in the garden. (laughs) On a sundial? Yeah. Um, And she asks one last question. Because she's nailed everything up to this point. Sophie asks... How did you escape the siege of the palace? And you see Dimitri the, back behind Oh my her, God. He just crumbles. He's, he's like, like, God fucking damn it. We Fuck. didn't cover this. We didn't talk about this. And I was oh, literally shit. fucking there. And I know the answer. Ah. Um, and then she starts to answer. She's like playing with her necklace. And she starts to answer a boy who worked in the palace. He opened a wall. Yeah, she, she, like, she but, almost enters like a fugue state where she like she's not really present because it's the almost room like she's minute. she's almost like meditating because like the rhythmic way that she's like rubbing the yeah, necklace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She enters like a certain state, like she's not entirely with us, and she nails it. Yeah, um, and then Dimitri is like, "Holy shit!" He has a moment. He, you can see it click with him, and he's like, "Oh." Oh, shit. Oh, my God. We actually did find Anastasia. This is at, like nobody else would know. Oh, three people know how that happened. Me, the Empress, and Anastasia. And that's it. Bam, baby. Yeah. And because like Anastasia kind of, Anya, plays it off and she's like, huh, opened a wall. How that's silly. silly. Um, but that's it. Right. And Sophie knows that. And she's like, well, that's it. That was everything. And you did it right. So. And so they're like. They're so excited, and Sophie's like, I can't, but I can't. I really can't. Please, there and must then, be some way. Right, so... Somewhere we can meet the meet the Empress. So Sophie is like, oh, do you like the Russian ballet? They're in town. The Dowager and I never miss it. I make this reference. This is another one. I make it constantly. We never, never miss it. it. Yes. Um, and I just, I absolutely, absolutely love it. Vlad gets so excited and like goes outside to talk to Dimitri. Dimitri's about to tell him like, no, 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 Vlad, you don't get it. She, she is. is the princess. And like, she like Anya comes out. I was like, Oh my God, Sophie's going to take a shopping. Of shopping course she in is. Paris to meet the, the Empress. Cause you're wearing kind of a shit dress. Like it's Dimitri bad. tried. 
Sure, but it's very, it's very, but it's like, not stylish to go to the ballet. No, it's very like Junior Miss. Like it's very immature. It's got like a bow on the back. Yeah, yeah. So they get to go shopping in Paris, and then we get oh, another banger. Okay, buckle up. Paris holds the key. I love this song. I have to watch it with my eyes shut. Can I tell you something about it? Please do. So all of the background is pointillism. I know. Isn't that great? Right. So if you don't know, pointillism was uh, done, invented like by uh, Georges Seurat. He lived in Paris. Okay, Seurat, so, Seurat. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever will be, will be. So he, um, so the fact that like all of the background is done in pointillism, this is another thing where like this separates this right. world from anything else that they've done. Again, we've incorporated another art style very effectively. Yes, because it, all of these little things, there's like, there's a guy who quotes Freud and is definitely Freud. He's a caricature of Freud, absolutely. Right. There's like the all of these different characters. There the Josephine, is Josephine Baker cameo Baker. Right. with so, the banana skirt. I love that cameo. Yes. And then there's like can-can dancers and it's the Folie Bergère and the and the Moulin Rouge and the yeah, I mean it's everything French in like three minutes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um and it's such an amazing number, and you see there's like a slowed down part where Dimitri is like, oh my god, it's it's her. We found you at last. And when the when Empress real- realizes that I'm not going to be in the picture. No, you're going to be gone. And that's the end. Right. Because um, he loves her and he like gives, ends up giving her a rose and like, it just, oh, it's so good. All of that's very well. The, uh, the outfits are hideous and we're going to talk about it. That's fine. So-, <laughs> so we're in like what? In 19, it might be even 1927 at this point, because if we started in 26 and it took how long to fucking get there. Right. But well, around it, that range. We're in 26, 27. So the styles are all very drop-waisted. We're dealing with the 1920s, so things were very, like, lavish. We're in Paris, one of the fashion capitals of the world. They start the number at a Chanel store. Mm -hmm. They come out wearing, I don't know, hideous Easter leftovers. There's, like, this... You really hate the color palette of this film. the colors. But I wonder if the color palette has to do with what was in... During a certain portion of the 90s. No, it doesn't. Thank you for asking. There's a really... (laughs) Well, fuck my drag. All right. we're in the 1920s, right? But only sometimes. Only sometimes. Unless there's a caricature or a reference or they're at one of the clubs or they're at one of the... Only sometimes are we in the 1920s. The rest of it is like whatever outfit we fucking wanted. So that's pretty inconsistent. Um, I do love the cameos. The double-breasted pink tux jacket... That Dimitri wears? Ugly. (laughs) Just hideous. The drop-waisted, like, blue Chanel dress that that Anya wears this entire number? Ugly. Just just hideous. You keep, like, shaking your face with the... Ugly. (laughs) Ugly. They're just hideous. And I hate them. And I'm so mad that this number about like going shopping in Paris and it's the 1920s, isn't isn't it great? Paris holds the key and everything's so perfect and wonderful and French and ugly. Ugly the whole time. It makes me so mad. Are you done? Yeah. So the number's over. Okay. (laughs) They're going to the opera and we see The ballet. Whatever. No, no, no. Right before, before Anya, this is an important part. This is an important part. Okay. 
Dimitri tells Vlad that it's really her. Oh yeah. He like they're on, on the steps and Vlad's like, what? And he's like, yeah, no, like it's like whatever. It and he's like, her. no, 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 no. I was the boy. I opened the wall to the servants quarters. That's how they got out. It's actually her. We didn't tell her that. Vlad has this whole moment of like, oh my God. And she actually, she did actually get to find her family. This is so beautiful and so good. Oh my God. And you're in love with her. Tell her. No. And then he's like, no, I won't be telling her. I won't be telling her uh, that. And she's like, tell me what? Turn. (gasps) Stunning. She is in the most beautiful, magnificent gown. It's like She's in her coat. When is she in the gown? Not yet. She's in the coat. What coat? The co- that like that like teal with the fur coat with the jewels popping out, and then it's not until they're inside. Can we get to the inside? I want okay, to talk fine, about okay, the. Okay, okay, fine, 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 fine. He's like, "Oh, that you're beautiful," and she's like, <laughs> "Because they're fucking in love." So they go inside, and she because she has a staircase moment. Fine. She's like up at the top of the staircase. And she then? drops a jacket, but we get the fun reveal with Dimitri because he's like putting stuff away, and then he turns, and his turning is how we like see her go. In the most beautiful, <laughs> magnificent gown. It's, it's like so a, beautiful. It's like a midnight blue. It looks like velvet. It, it's insane. It's so gorgeous. That is a dress. Also very 90s. Very 90s. Yeah. Like 1990s. Yeah. Yeah. Very. I should specify. Very fashionable and up to date with the release of this movie. And it's got like, it's got this Which like I think back detailing. Absolutely. It's like the number one thing that you update right away, right? Is like shoes and hair and like the styling of, of the fashion when you're placing a period piece somewhere else. But this dress is so luxurious and on point. And it's still got those vintage qualities she's still got like the opera glove up past her elbow and like there's the the gorgeous back detailing right she's got the the yeah yeah i mean it's got all the right details and all the right styling but it still has the fashionable sense of the 1990s it's just the perfect color choice and the perfect silhouette without being a, a princess dress oh that is no princess dress No, this is a woman's gown yeah. It's stunning. A beautiful. Oh, it's and it's one of my favorite princess dresses, maybe ever. Top five, certainly, maybe even top three. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Mm, I, uh, yeah. Top five. Top five, for sure. Yeah. Arguably top three. I'd have to probably debate with myself for a little bit. But it's it's just, for all of the things that I hate and detest about the choices of this film, this dress redeems them all. It's so gorgeous. Mm. So they're in the ballet and the ballet, they're watching is Cinderella. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that when I was a kid, but uh, now that I'm an adult and the reference is clear to me, I think that's so neat. And she's nervous. She's like ringing her like a program and then he holds her hand to comfort her. And then they just keep holding hands because guys, they're in love. Oh my God. And they just need to say it. And they're just, and, and they get to this point out in the hall because the ballet is done and they're going to go find the dowager. And they both are, he's like, I was just going to say, tell, she, tell her you the, love her. And the way that she is like anticipating what he's going to say, she hopes that he says that right. he is in love you with her or it. that you like she her. She wants you to say it to her. Like just, and then she does it. the same thing and then he 
It's oh, fucking you guys. Oh my, my notes <laughs> in all caps. Just share your feelings, bitches. Oh my god, I also wrote in all caps. Say I love you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, my god. We're so, such good communicators. Oh. oh. Look at us. oh. oh. <laughs> so, um Sophie like lets him in and is like, go away. Like right. jokingly. She, she fakes like, no, you simply can't. While like essentially like waving ushering, him through. Yeah, right? ushering him in. <laughs> and then she, the dowager is like, I don't want to see anyone send him away. And she's like pissed. And she's like, oh, fuck. Okay, no, just kidding. You better go. Like this She's isn't. so regal and composed too while she does it. I mean, yeah. and who else could have pulled it off in the same heightened sense I don't know. I oh my gosh. I don't know. Um, so then Dimitri ends up busting through and tries to convince the dowager to see Anya. And she was like, no. And then she, they start walking towards the door. The door is cracked and Anya's right outside. And he's like, she says, I know who you are. You're Dimitri from St. Petersburg who was holding auditions for Anastasia's. Do not fuck with me. Anya hears that and is heartbroken. Because, because she, she realizes, realizes she's been a pawn, essentially. Right. Dimitri gets thrown on his ass, comes out. Anya starts ripping into him. And he's like, no, 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 you have to understand. It It started out as something, but it's something different now. And she fully bitch slaps him. Open palm across the face. Bitch slaps. There's Don again. Yep. So she heads on out. Dimitri kidnaps the dowager. <laughs> Because yeah. she gets in her car and then he like gets into the car before her driver can starts driving her away and actually drives her to Sophie's house. And during this, um, he shows her the music box and is like, you have to talk to her. Where did you get this? Because he had said earlier at the ballet, he's like, I was the, I was the servant boy who helped you escape. And she's like, right. Oh, that's a new one. Yeah. You know, kind she's of like, thing. Oh, what a good ploy. Right. And so, Anya is packing and she's like, go away, Dimitri. Cause she hears a knock at the door. It's grandmama. She enters. And then all of a sudden she just like feels a different presence and her like spine straightens. And she's like, um, and then like Anya turns and they start talking and slowly, but surely cause grandmama is like, great, cool. I talked to you done. And she starts walking out. Anya's like peppermint. You smell of peppermint. She's like, yeah, it's an oil for my hands. Yeah, but I remember. And then she remembered that she spilled a whole bottle right, of it. Right, there's a whole story about, like, peppermint oil from away, her childhood. And, and she, I always used to sit by that stain and smell it because it reminded me of you. And how you always smelled of peppermint. This makes Grandmama turn around and sit down. She's like, come sit by me. And talks to her further. And then she eventually presents her with the music box she's like oh the music box and she's wearing the necklace she's wearing the key the key and she takes it out and she's like oh my gosh and she like actually unlocks it and before she unlocks it she starts humming the melody and then they sing the song together when the music box opens oh my god it is anastasia they found each other sobbing crying hugging yeah you know how grief will find you in weird ways yep I was sobbing through this whole scene. Like the minute she started humming, I was just like a, like a misty mess. And I was like, what's that about? Who do I call? I don't know. 
Um, then down on the street, we see Dimitri, and he's leaving. He, like, blows a kiss up to Anastasia's window when he walks away. I know. Oh, my God. Rip my heart He's got out. such a low opinion of himself. Dimitri, yeah. no! Ah. Um, now, there has been an announcement in the newspaper. Anastasia's been found. We're going to have a party about it. Rasputin is like, great, we're going to go to a party. Bartok is super jazzed because he's like, thank God. Maybe he's like 86, this idea of Anastasia. Right. We're he's gonna over dance, it. We're, we're going to go. Party. He wants to have a good time now instead. He's going to teach him a certain dance that's new. And he's like, no, because I'll go. I'll let her have all of this glory and be on top oh, of sorry. the world. <laughs> I'm punching things with my ring. God damn it. She's going to be on top of the world. And then, and then I'm going to crush her. Kill her. <laughs> like Jesus H. Then we see a scene of Grandmama and Anastasia going through items to help Anastasia remember even more. And she's going through, which by the way, this PJ set that Anastasia has, this like pink number. Oh, I do like like the PJ set. Like the sheer midriff, but Mm -hmm, like it mm -hmm, has design mm -hmm. on it. I've always wanted that. I still want it. That is a piece that I could see in real life and it would be so cute in person. So cute. It's well designed. It's thoughtful. Unlike every other gown she's worn this entire fucking movie. Yeah, except the blue one. Except the, the, yeah, like the dark blue. Yeah. Gorgeous one. They are talking about how, you know, what of Anastasia reminds the grandmama of like the family. She pulls out the crown, which the shine on this fucking crown. Let me tell you, I have done umpteen million hours worth of research on the process that they use to get this foil effect on camera i have no idea how they do it it has to be a digital effect lost to time something something i don't know i wish i could tell you how they get that like holographic foil thing to happen in animation i don't know i don't know it has to be digital it is fucking it is stunning it's so pretty and it's like just like exclusively a don bluth thing yeah and i love that for him Dimitri is talking to Grandmama, and Anastasia's getting ready for this party. And Dimitri, she's like, here you go. Here's, Here's 10 million rubles. rubles. And he's like, I... He's like, I can't do it. And she's like, what changed your mind? And he said, it's not a change of mind, it's a change of heart. And she's like, oh my god. Like, in her head, you can like see the wheels turning. Yeah, Grandmama's she's like, like, oh no, you're the one, oh, aren't you? Oh, <laughs> you're like in love with her. Oh, dang. Jesus, Okay. And then Grandma fully knows what's up. Super glad about that. Dimitri and Vlad say goodbye. It's a very sweet, touching moment because Vlad is being recognized again as like a member of the Imperial Court. Sure. We're at the party. She's Anya's in that yellow in that dress. Horrendous Easter egg dress. I don't know why it's yellow. I don't know either. It's I, awful. I. I, I it's don't a know. terrible, terrible color. I don't know. I don't know. So Grandmama starts talking to Anastasia about the fact that like are you sure this is the life you want though? And she's like, yeah, because I wanted to find you. I I did what I wanted. She's like, you will always have me. I will be right here. I'm not going anywhere. But is this life what you want? And she never tells her what she wants. She always asks, but she, she knows that she doesn't want it. No, of course. And she then, she waits and then says, he didn't take the money because Anastasia this whole time has thought that he did. And right. that was the point of all of this. And she's like, oh my God. And she's like, it's up to you to decide. Grand- Grandmama walks out. Anastasia is just about to walk out and then she stops and she hesitates and starts walking back. Puka like goes busting out into the fucking garden. <laughs> 
And so she runs after him. Puka's on the move. And Puka's on the move. And the garden starts to get spooky. Yeah, so we're edging towards the final confrontation here with between Rasputin and Anya. Anastasia. Anastasia at this point. <laughs> I am dying for a third act song. Uh, yeah. Oh my god, I need it so bad. Because the last song in this movie is uh, Paris Holds the Key. Yep. And it's it's that's it. We don't get any more music. Yeah. I'm dying, dying for a song. So and we things, just don't get it. Things start to get weird. The hedges start to change shape. Um, the garden gets very dark. It becomes sort of a maze. Anya gets trapped. And it like pushes her out of the garden, away from that, onto a bridge where Rasputin is. Right. So here we have the confrontation and they start to fight. And while this fight scene does have a really epic score underneath it, like mm-hmm. it is really well scored. I will it absolutely, just isn't a song. It's not a song. And I just, I, it could have been a song. Another villain song would have been great. But we just don't get it. Yeah. Which sucks. We do, however, get this really terrifying um, digitally engineered horse. horse? <laughs> so she, so she's like getting the, her shit rocked, right? Yeah. Rasputin, she's getting dragged around and beat up. Rasputin like busts out a part of this bridge and she's hanging on to it and she's going to die. He's like, no one's going to save you. Here comes Dimitri because he found the rose in his pocket at the train <laughs> station because he's in love. Dex Rasputin square in the face. And starts to help Anya back up. Then he gets taken off by that horse thing. Yeah, it's like a horse statue from the garden come to life. With the green glowing eyes. It's petrifying. Absolutely nightmare fuel. Yeah. (laughs) So there's even more fighting back and forth. And Puka gets gets the thing. the the, The reliquary. Reliquary. Yes. So Puka gets it. And he, like, flaps his little ears. Yeah, he does. To, like, fly almost. An angel. I'm just saying. And he takes it to her, and she, like, stomps it out. She puts it underneath her ugly little biscuit heel. (laughs) And she is the princess of Russia. Can we get her a fucking heel? No. What is this? She has never walked in heels, Drake. This ugly little thick heel biscuit shoe. (laughs) Uh. And she like crunches and she says, Das Vidanya, and like cracks it. Then Rasputin <laughs> dies the most apart. horrific death. So he melts. Horror movie stuff. And then he, so then you think it's done that it's going to be covered with a cape, but no, because this is not Disney. This is Don Bluth. The cape comes off. You see his skeleton shake until it's just <laughs> dust. And then the dust blows away in the wind. Yeah. They couldn't just let him, like, they couldn't just let him die in, like, a heap of fabric. No, no. His bones have to, like, electrocute themselves to dust. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's casual. Horrific. So, at some point in the kerfuffle, Dimitri, like, hit his head and is passed out. Anastasia runs to him and is like, oh my God, Dimitri. She has like a Beauty and the Beast moment where she was like, no, don't go. Right. (laughs) Um, And then she, like, turns and he starts to, he wakes up and sits up and she freaks out. She and like turns <laughs> and smacks him in the face. The writing is so good. Which I love because it it isn't that's more real life than anything. Because it's not Disney. Yeah. And I you just know? I just I just loved it. No, it's good writing. And um they're in love and they're about to kiss and then Puka barks. God damn it. <laughs> and he's like, Don't kiss the servant. <laughs> 
like uh, led her out to the garden so she could finish this off once and for all. Right. Puka's got other priorities. And then he's like, don't kiss don't the kiss. serpent. <laughs> we don't kiss the help, Anya. We're royal. <laughs> Jesus. Um, which is why I don't think it's just like a guardian angel. I think it is an ancestor I mean, specifically come probably. back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Biases and all, right? Right. And she, we're like wondering like, oh my God, does she go back? Does she go back into the ball? Is she the princess now? What's going on? Then we're in grandmama's room. And I don't know why I said it like that, but I did. <laughs> and she, turns out she left the crown in a note to grandmama. Dimitri and Anastasia eloped. How cute. They're so in love. And then I love that Sophie says, oh, it's a perfect ending. And Grandmama says, no, it's a, a perfect, perfect beginning. beginning. <gasps> it's so anti-Disney. It hurts. It's so, so good. Oh my gosh. And then you see them like sailing off on a boat. They finally fucking kiss. Thank God. And, and then we also see Bartok kissing a pink lady bat. Yeah, for whatever reason, we had to tie up his storyline. <laughs> I guess. We couldn't have gotten, like, a reprise at the end of any song. Any song at all. Like, come on. Like, a journey to the past would be really Would cool. have been great. Would have been great. One more verse. One more verse of, like, I journeyed to my past and I found my grandma and a man. Like, right. you couldn't... Right, because, like, she remember. I mean, both of these people are from her past and she remembers them at the end. We couldn't have just gotten a reprise just rounded out? Yeah, I Come know. on. I know. That's, that's a... <sighs> so Bartok the Magnificent is the sequel. I have... I don't think I've ever seen it. It's available on YouTube in its entirety in DVD quality. The YouTube. The YouTube. Um, it follows Bartok on a journey through other Russian folklore. So we meet like the Baba Yaga and there's a couple other like Russian folklore things kind of tied in. Um, Catherine O'Hara voices the villain. <gasps> we love it. I, I mean, it's a great movie. I'd be super excited to cover it here on the pod. I would absolutely love to tackle that one. Maybe we'll have to. I it's don't know. We'll, favorite... <laughs> we'll talk to corporate. Yeah. <laughs> we'll run it by the balls. Uh, well, what do you rate it? Okay, so I really, really love this movie so, 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 so much. I do too for I lots do, of sentimental reasons. Right, but I do think that the fact that there is not a song in the third act really... It really bugs me. And not because there isn't a song and I like, I would prefer a song there, but because I think it hurts the story narratively. Well, because there's so many heavy hitters right up front and we don't right. have like, except for once upon a December, like pops up here and there. We don't really have many, like, reprise. Like, no, it's not a thing, it, Yeah, you know. it, I mean, the song becomes a motif as we move through the end of the story, but I want something... But it's more of a motif than yeah, anything. Yeah, it's, it's not a real production number. I want one more production number in the end for balance reasons and for narrative reasons. I think there are multiple opportunities for so, feelings bigger than dialogue. Right, so I think that Journey to the Past, Wrap It Up, would be great. I think when they're, like, going off on the boat together to elope, the fact that Perry holds the key to your heart sure. would be like a great thing to reprise. It's an upbeat number. It's fun. But I, I with that in mind, because really, to me, that's the only thing that I have issue with. I'd do a 4.5. I, what else do you have? Because I, I feel like you really, have something else. There are a lot of design decisions that I really hate. Like specifically, like the, the, the costume Yeah, design. because I feel like they're lost opportunities to to further our narrative 
like it's not just a taste thing. Some of it is a taste thing, especially when we in in uh, Paris holds the key because we are dealing with like Chanel and fashion, right? And so those to me, I think, are missteps professionally. But that's just a matter of taste. I think there are moments narratively where costume should have helped us and done more, and it doesn't. Moments where we have reference material of this era and it doesn't connect to those reference materials for me. And I didn't do the research. I didn't work on the project. Maybe there are reference photos and things like that, that I'm missing that would justify those decisions to me. But as it stands right now, it bothers me enough that I would take off another half a point. So I would give it a four. I mean, it's fair. I always trust your opinion on your specialties. You did in fact tell me that the blue dress um, absolved all of all of the things, <laughs> and I do indeed have that on recording. <laughs> but I guess it makes it watchable to me. But uh, yeah, but if you could have improved your story, so one one thing that I think could have one area that now you're talking about it is so when she's in the in the old palace remembering, I think instead of that yellow dress, it should have been the dress that she wore at the ball, that sure. like teal gold yellow number. Sure, but like. On her grown-up body. That would have made more sense to Because me. then you could be like, oh, she's remembering like, right, the, like la- the, the dress ad- she wore at the an last An adult ball. version of the little kid dress that we meet her in. Right. That would have made more sense to me. Right. It's just those little things like that that like, it, it's not that I dislike what we ended up with because it's not my preference. It's that we are using clothing in a way that is not advantageous to our story. And that bothers me. All right, a four. So I'll give it a four. I, I'm I'm happy with that. It is a very good movie, though. It's got so a lot good. of a lot of strengths. So good. Really good writing. Really fantastic music. It's all memorable. Uh, the art styles, incredible. Yeah, the fact that they use like the different art styles and, and they're breathtaking and they're well utilized. So, you know, that's I think that's another part that bothers me is I know we knew what we were doing, we just didn't do it with the clothes. Mm-hmm. That's not. Yeah. That's not acceptable. Not to you and. Probably Don Bluth is like, I don't give two right. shits about the clothes. Because if I care about the clothes, then it's Disney. Well, fine. And that's fair because he, you know, didn't have the eye for merchandising and things like that that you consider when you make a Disney film. And that's probably intentional and that's fine. Um, but should we give it the biddy test? The BD, the Biddy Drake? Pass, fail. Pass. Pass. So, because like the weird thing with this one is the fact that they have singers that are dubbing the singing voice. For literally everybody. Yeah. Well, Kelsey Grammer didn't. And Sophie, obviously, because it's Bernadette oh, and, Peace and Peters. Angela Lansbury. And Angela Lansbury. Um, because so all the people who have, like, Tony noms and stage credits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fair. I mean, I think that's the, and the, the only other way to make two, a movie like that. Right. And the only other two, well, no, because Rasputin, but I really, I think that I, there's something in me that feels very strongly that Christopher Lloyd can sing. I think And could that's have possibly true. sang this. I don't know why. Yeah, it is a bit of a letdown. Although I will say Jim Cummings does a seamless job. Like if I mean, you hadn't really, told me that, I, I would not have known because the no. voices are so similar. Yeah. Um, Which to me is a, a point in their favor that like you did a good job with the casting. And so I think that's allowable. I, th- I think and it's animation. I think... I, if it were a live action, maybe I would feel differently. Right. But this is animation and that's kind of a standard practice here in the animation I world. think everybody was cast uh, properly. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. So uh, four and a pass. Four and a pass. Wow. January is really swinging some winds here, huh? Swinging some winds. 
revolutions and swinging some revolution. I love that. We love a winning revolution. Well, how about uh, a fortune cookie? Give it to me. So our fortune cookie today is a Russian proverb. And the proverb is, visiting is good, but home is better. Oh yeah, and I I like it because the theme of the whole show is about finding home, home, right? But then when she finally does understand where she came from and where her family is and where her quote unquote home is, she realizes that she can just visit her grandmother and she can go be home with Dimitri. And also, home doesn't have to be a place. Home is home is a person. Home so is, home is people. Yeah. Oh. So I like that, and it's a Russian proverb, which I thought was very appropriate. So. Where can they find us? All right. You guys can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Backstage Biddies, or you can email us um, your listener requests at BackstageBiddies at gmail.com. Um, if you rate us five stars and comment tell it, let us know. everybody you know. Tell every single person. Even if Everyone. you're like, I don't think they like movie musicals. Doesn't matter. Tell them. And also, people have a misconstrued concept of what a movie musical is, because I've talked to people about this pot, and they're like, you don't have a lot of stuff to work with. And I was like, <laughs> guys, guys, I think it's so because many. I think it's because you're um, thinking that like, it has to be a movie that was a Broadway musical shifted into that. So like, tell people like, I don't know. They just covered Anastasia. That's right. That's a movie musical. It is open people's minds. Tell everyone. <laughs> um, we're sharing that, the gospel. Yes, but if if you do that, uh, we will move it to the top of the list. Which last week was a listener request, as was so. this week's. Mm-hmm. So look at that. We'll keep knocking them out if you guys keep sending them to us. Yeah, yeah. Where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Binny Biddy. Where can they find you? You can find me at TikTok at Drake underscore Leverance or on Tumblr at Drake dash Leverance. That's Drake, D-R-A-K-E, Leverance, L-E-W-E-R-E-N-Z, as in zebra. Awesome. Yeah. Well, das Vidania, beaches. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.